Today I want you to open God's Holy Word to a very, very familiar text. Many of you can quote it from heart. But it's the reason why it's so familiar is because it's so good and it speaks so pointedly to us as believers. This morning, if we understand this verse, we will come away from here today with great encouragement. And that is my prayer. Our text this morning is from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Oftentimes we as believers can get rather overwhelmed by events, circumstances, personal conflicts, the myriad of problems that can come upon us, and we need to have a clear word from God. Well, this text gives us that encouragement this morning that we can have the assurance that God is working out all things for the good for those of us who love God. And that is the subject that he's speaking of here. As we look in verse 28, notice there the second word. To whom is this being addressed? We... We know. We know that God is working. We, who is the we there in that text? We who indeed are believers. We who are Christians. We understand that God is working something very special upon our behalf. Now, it is true that God's general benevolence and providence covers everyone on the earth. The... Uh, Question 11 of the Shorter Catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith answers the question, what are God's works of providence? That answer is that God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, powerful, and preserving of all of His creatures and all of their actions. God has concern and a general benevolence for everyone on this earth. He is concerned for all. He gives the bounty and the abundance of rain for the just and the unjust. We read a little verse in there in the book of Jonah that God is, was also concerned for the cattle as well as the Ninevites who did not know their left hands from their right. Even the sparrow that falls, God is aware of that and is concerned. But you see, the difference is between God's providence for all people and God's providence for us who are believers is radically different. Because you see, God's general providence does not always work for the good that those who reject the Word of God. As a matter of fact, in God's providence, they are storing up wrath for the day of judgment. But for us, but for us who believe 
There is a glorious providence that God is working. And that's what we want to look at today. It is we, we know that God is working all things together for good. Now again, who are the we here in our text? We are the ones who now love God. We once were going astray, doing our own things, serving sin and serving self. But when we heard the Gospel and we believed the Gospel, our hearts were changed. And God gave us a desire now to love Him and hate the things of darkness. We now are a part of the family of God. We no longer are concerned about living for self, but now, as we sang this morning, God has placed our feet on a higher plane. We have a desire to know God and to love God and to follow God because He's changed our heart. It's not because we've done anything in ourselves. We simply now love Him because He has greatly loved us and we are a new creation in Christ and God has taken out that heart of stone and He's given us a, a soft, pliable heart of flesh so that we can love Him. He also says there that we, the believer, the Christian, the ones who love God, why do we love God? Well, he tells us there in this very verse, who are the called according to His purpose. We are the ones that are called. Now, uh, again, you see there the word thee. We don't, we don't really speak like that, do we? We, we say that uh, you are called. But you see, actually in the original text here, I, we, would, we should uh, state this just as the Scripture states this, that you are the called. The definite article there is in the Greek. In case you want to know, it's toi kletois. Tois kletois. The called ones. That's who we are. God, that's who God is working out. Those who love God. Why do we love God? Because we are the ones that have been called out by God. Now again, we see this word. This is definite. This is not talking here in this text about the general call of the Gospel that goes out to everyone. No. As is in accord with almost every verse this time, this word is used in the New Testament epistles, it is refer, referring to that effectual, special call of God upon our hearts. The gospel call that we received because it was so glorious we could not turn away. This is the calling of God. This is what we have been called to by God. We are the called. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul addresses these believers as those who are called to be saints. So the word here, the word called, is really the equivalent of the word chosen or the word predestined. That we as the people of God are a chosen generation. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 11, we'll not take the time to turn there, but you certainly can if you like. The Scriptures tells us that we now, as believers in Christ, we have been predestined to an already obtained inheritance. What a glorious blessing. That we in Christ have been predestined to a, to a glorious obtained inheritance that Christ has already obtained for us. Now why? Why have we been given this? It's not based on anything we've done, 
But Ephesians 1 verse 11, the latter part of that verse, says that it is according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Why? Because God is working. God has a counsel. God has a will. And the glorious thing is here that we who are believers, we who are the called, we are living our lives not in some vain darkness groping through, but we have the assurity of knowing that our calling is in accord with the perfect, holy, and righteous purposes of God. We are called, he says there, according to his purpose. Now, what purpose is that? Well, he tells us very plainly here. Look in verse 29. For whom God did foreknow, the ones that God knew intimately, he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the reason for our predestination, that we might be made like Christ, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also, there's the word again, He called, you see. And those whom He called, He also justified. He made us righteous. He declared us to be righteous based upon the perfection of Christ and not of anything that we've done in ourselves. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. You see, brothers and sisters, there is a concrete purpose of God that is being manifested right here, right now, in your life if you're a believer in Christ. And this is so liberating. This is so glorious. That we know that whatever is going on, that God causes all things to work for the good of those Everybody? No. But to those who love God, to those who are the called in accordance with the perfect and good providence of God. Wow. That should make us so happy that God is doing this. Doing this for us. You see, we, we don't live our lives in some not knowing condition. We don't, we don't live our lives in a haze or in a fog. But we can know that God is, has worked from before the foundation of the world for us. We see this in some of the texts that Brother Terry read this morning in regarding to Jacob, God's calling of Jacob rather than Esau. It was done in order that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of Him who calls. We have nothing to boast about. But we have only praise to offer to God because He has called us according to His purpose. Paul went on to say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. What a word of encouragement, you see, that we have that we as God's children, and that we indeed are linked with Christ as He was the firstborn Look there in chapter 8 and verse 29. 
We have been called that we might be conformed to the image of Christ, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren, you see. We are united in Christ. We are part of His family. What a glorious word of encouragement that we are those who are part of the very special providence of God. God is indeed orchestrating, listen to this, God is indeed orchestrating all things that occur in this world on behalf of Himself, the triune God, on behalf of Himself, His Son, but also all of us who are His dearly loved children. Wow. You see, what a glorious purpose we have. We, we, we are those. Those who love God and those who are the called according to His purpose. Now let's look again at our text. Verse 28. And we know that it says some sometimes God is working. Most of the time God is working. We know that in all things God is working. God all things work together for the good. All things, you see. You see, there's no person, there's no event, there's not even any molecule that escapes God's perfect purpose and plan. Now we look here in our text. Look at the very first word. What's he talking about here when he talks about all of these things? Well, as we look at the context, we understand exactly what he's talking about because the first word in our verse is the word, that little conjunction. See it there? It's the word and linking the previous verses to what he's talking about. What are these things that are working together for good? Well, we see that as we look in verse... Let's look back to... Uh, chapter 8 and verse 18, the primary, con- the primary context is concerning the difficulties and the struggles and the worries of this life. Indeed, God is working in the midst of these things. Look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this temporal age in which we live in, all of these difficulties, as harsh And as devastating as they may be, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see, they don't amount to a hill of beans as bad as they are because God's very purpose is being worked out in us because we've been predestined, we've been called, we've been justified, and we've been glorified. You see, this is the perspective that we have as believers on our trials. It doesn't amount to nothing because God is working powerfully upon our very behalf. Look at verse 22. (laughs) For we know that the whole creation... He talks about the the analogy between the way the creation groans. It it itself longs to be clothed. It, It in fact desires that time when there will be a new heavens and the earth will be clothed again. He, he refers that to us. Look in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Verse 23, also we're in the same shape that the earth is in, you know. This past week we've been 
hearing about all the uh, volcanoes that are going on and that are uh, erupting in Hawaii. Well, we too have our personal struggles and strains, don't we? Look in verse 23. Not only that, concerning the creation, but we, we, we are the ones that are called, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, we're children of God. Uh, we have the Spirit of God. The Bible says if we have not the Spirit of Christ, we do not belong to Him. And if we have the Spirit of God in us, there's going to be certain good fruits that are going to be apparent in our lives. They, know, they may not be a hundredfold, but they may be 30, they may be 60, that we're bearing fruit. Well, that is the first fruits and a promise that we're on our way to glory because God is working in our life. We have the first of the fruits of the Spirit, but, hey, we're still on this earth. Even we ourselves groan. Have any of you done any groaning this week? Physical pain. I hurt my back and I've been groaning for three or four days, you know. Is there any purpose in that? Yeah, I think there is. Even the Lord has spoken to me in that. Hey, Rick, slow down, buddy. Sit at my feet. Listen to me more. Okay, God is working. We're groaning right now. We're struggling. What's going on? Well, we're just like the creation. We, our bodies, we ourselves are eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved, verse 24, in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We focus our eyes on that which is unseen. And we walk in perseverance knowing that yes, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances, all things work together for good. Even though the things in and of themselves are difficult things and they're not good, they all work together for, for good. I was thinking this past week, about how God used difficulty in the life of John Bunyan and how suffering dramatically changed his life, especially through his prison experience. John Bunyan spent almost 12 continual years in prison and then was in prison in and out of prison at times after that. But he could relate with Paul when Paul said, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that we had this sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but we should trust in God who raises the dead. And we know Paul went through tremendous amount of suffering. He was beaten like five times with 39 stripes. He was also beaten three times with, with rods. He was persecuted. He was At one time, he was stoned. He went through various shipwrecks. He went, spent time, uh, days and nights in the deep. Many struggles. He was always in constant uh, turmoil of being in the company of thieves and, and robbers. And besides all that, he bore the great burden of the church and those that he loved. He suffered greatly. And Bunyan said, in reference to Paul, that there was two things in his life that he came to understand through his sufferings. 
that first of all, that we must pass this very same sentence of death upon everything in order that we might understand our lives as being crucified with Christ and raised up with Christ. You see, the prison was used by God to teach him that. That the only things in life that are worth looking at are the things of, of heaven. That we are to die to sin, we're die, to die to self. And even die to those precious relationships that we have, even with family. And not esteem them as greater than our relationship with God. We pass the sentence of death upon ourselves. We've died to this world. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. And then secondly, Bunyan says, another principle was to live upon God who is invisible. We're not to look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's what Paul says again in Romans chapter 8 in verse 25 that we just looked at. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We focus our eyes upon the invisible God in the midst of walking here on this earth in the midst of trials and tribulations. It was Bunyan who said, bless you prison for having been in my life. Because God used that experience greatly. And of course we know that through His prison experience, He wrote probably the second most published book of all time, The Pilgrim's Progress. Paul said concerning his imprisonment in Philippians that all the things which happened to Paul actually turned out for the furtherance of the Gospel. Because while he was in prison, he got to witness to the imperial guard. Word of God went forth even to Caesar's household and to all the rest of the area because Paul was in chains. And he also wrote because of Paul's imprisonment, it spurred the saints on to be even more and more bold for Christ that they might stand to be faithful. You see, suffering does this. Many people have said that one of the chief reasons why the church in the United States is not stronger is due to the fact that we haven't suffered enough. It may be changing. It may be changing. And again, we don't volunteer, oh Lord, please cause us to suffer greatly. We don't pray that way. But the fact is, when the church is persecuted, the church becomes stronger and more bold. I was thinking about how God works through difficulties when our missionary was here this past week, when, when Brother Prim was here. Some of you may have heard Prim was recounting the, uh, the incident of the terrible accident that he was in that uh, in, in, in India when he doesn't recount everything that happened or how it happens, but he was driving his vehicle along a bridge, and for whatever reason, he got knocked off of this bridge, which is about 25, 30 feet high. His vehicle crashed, and he was upside down. He had to crawl out. But he said even in the midst of that vehicle falling, fall, falling he was very clear-headed. 
And while the vehicle was falling from the bridge, he said, I was caught up in worship to God. He said, I began to praise God and to honor God for what he was doing. You see? See, there's a man that's in tune with the purpose and plan and sovereignty of God rather than just the things that happened to us. He was worshiping God. And as the vehicle fell, he, he, he was still uh, very conscious. He crawled out of the vehicle. And as time went on, while he was in the hospital, uh, friends and also in his enemies, he said, got word of it, what happened to him. And for whatever reason, he had the opportunity to share with his enemies, you see. So God was working even in a difficult situation. And we don't have to have these great things happen to us, but we need to remember, hey folks, God is working. We who love God, we who are the called according to His purpose, we can have the assurance that God is working all of these things together. For good. All things, not just some things. And oftentimes God uses these these times that we're going through as a time of testing, doesn't He? We're not tempted by God, we're tempted by the evil one and by our own flesh. But during these times of testing, God is working. We think about Job and all the testings that he went through. Job lost practically everything. He lost his property, he lost family members, and then he lost personal health. But remember, before Satan could take away any of these things, Satan had to get permission from God before he could lay a hand upon God. And God was, was working in this situation. God, God was in the, in the midst. Uh, so we can have this great confidence that nothing that occurs... Uh, does not occur apart from the perfect and sovereign will of God in our lives. Matthew Henry's put it this way. He said, Every providence tends to our spiritual good for those of us who love God. For in that trial, in God's providence, He is breaking uh, us away from sin. He's bringing us nearer to God. He's weaning us from this world, and He is fitting us for heaven. Therefore, we can say, as Peter said uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as a faithful Creator. All things, brothers and sisters. What are they doing? They are working together for good. Now let's focus on that, uh, another word in our text. We know that all things work, work together. Yes, indeed. God is working, you see. He, he's, it's not that God is uh, resting on His laurels. He's not asleep. He's not preoccup- preoccupied. He's not distracted. He's not unconcerned. But in the midst of everything that is going on, God is in the midst of it. He's working. He's working. Even where afflictions can become blessings. The problem is that oftentimes in times of difficulties, we do not have the perspective we need to have. We're too concerned if things, you know, we want things to be going good, 
And we don't want things to be going bad. And we focus on what is happening to us rather than the God that is working. Paul said that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In other words, I, need to, I, I know how to get by quite well even when my circumstances and my provisions are very lean. But he said, I also know how to get by very well when, when I'm abounding, when I'm having even more than I need. You see, he didn't let the lack take his mind off of God, and he did not allow the abundance either to take his mind off of God. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere. Everywhere and in all things. You see, here's Paul's keeping his perspective on the things of God. Not so concerned about this or this is good or this is bad or if I'm over here or I'm over there. But I'm keeping my eyes fixed on the Lord. He says, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Here's the point. Here's the perspective. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, Not focusing on the circumstances or what's happening or what's not happening, but focusing on the God that is sovereign, the God that is working. We're not falling apart. We're trusting God is good. God is working that which is good. And we trust in Him. You see. You see. This whole Word of God is about that very thing. It truly is. That God is the one who is calling the shots. He's the one that's in control. You see. You see that theme. And this is a, a very important theme to really be able to understand the Bible. Because it was, if it was left up to, to human goodness or, or merit, nothing would ever fall into place. But because God is working. You say, well, God created Lucifer. And he became Satan. He was fallen. But yet God knew that and he worked through that See, God created man he knew that man was going to fall into sin and turn away God was sovereign God was working even through sin he's going to cause sin to bring him praise you see God was working through the nation of Israel that he raised up and they failed over and over and over and again and if it was left to Israel and their workings the Messiah would never have come. But God's uh, goodness and providence in the life of Israel uh, made things work out so that Israel could have a small remnant through which Messiah would come. And then Christ died. But that was the perfect purpose of God. Even though it was done by evil men and they took Him and crucified Him. It was God's plan that the Father Himself should bruise Him, that He should die in order that we might be made righteous with God. So you see, it, God's plan was being worked out. And now we come to our text again. Now we here we are. We're, we're believers in Christ. And everything's going wrong. Things are terrible. Well, all of this is occurring in accordance with God's providence. But we... Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We know that all these things are working together for good for those of us who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose, according to His divine plan, that God is working out everything. And wow, what a special place we find in the sovereignty of God. Because we are the ones that He has called out. 
of this darkness and this confusion. Oh, brothers and sisters, we ought not to take that for granted. Amen? Because of what God has done for us. Now we see a gist of this again in, in our context in Romans chapter 8. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you, believer, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. You see, we're no longer in prison. We're no longer in bondage to sin and selfishness. But now as believers, we've been adopted into the family of God by the work of, of Christ. We've been adopted by whom now we cry, Abba, Father. We cry out to our Heavenly Papa, our Heavenly Daddy. We cry out to Him, you see, because we are, we're going through these difficult times. We mentioned there in verse 18, these sufferings of the age. Verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Yes, times are difficult, but we have a Heavenly Father who is with us, and we can cry out to Him, and if indeed we are His children, we're heirs. We're heirs. We're heirs of God. Look at that verse. We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, you know Christ suffered and He said that I've given you example that if, the, if indeed the chief shepherd has, has, has suffered, we too are going to suffer. That all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's part of life on this earth. But remember, we're children and we're heirs. And if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified with Him. You see, here's the very purpose of God. The purpose of God in our lives. That God is working in all of the midst of these problems. But praise be to God, we who are in Christ, we who love God, we who are the ones that are called in accordance with the very divine plan, we hang in there. We take hold of, of Him. We trust Him. We walk with Him. We believe that He is sovereign and we trust in Him absolutely that His will is going to be accomplished Therefore, we remain faithful. We walk with Him. We trust in Him. Knowing, knowing that God is working all things together for good. You believe that? Well, <laughs> some would say, I'm not sure how God is working out all things. You see? Now maybe you've had a trial this week. You've had a great struggle. And as the days have gone by, you can see, well, you know, I can see why now what God was doing. Sometimes we aren't able to see that. But some, sometimes we, we don't know, do we? We don't know. And sometimes we may know a year, ten years, five years, twenty years down the road. And sometimes we, we may not know till we get to heaven. Why or how? God is working. But here's the point. We can still know that God is working. And that's all we really need to know. In Spain, there's an Augustinian monastery called the Escorial. 
And when the architect was building that, that famous monastery, the king noticed, the king of Spain noticed that uh, within the building there was an ark as you enter into the monastery. And you know, when you think of an ark, you think of, a, of, a, of an arch uh, that is very clear that this building is being strongly supported. But the particular architect that designed this building and had it constructed made the ark flat across. And the king of Spain would, would walk in there and he'd look up at that and he was afraid that the building was going to fall down. You know. So he demanded that the architect build supporting columns to hold up the ark. Well, the architect tried his best to encourage the king, listen, this, this structure is sound. You don't have anything to worry about it. But the king had his way, so the architect had columns built to support the arch. Well, the king died, and after many years, the architect brought people in because he had something to show them. He took a very small, flat piece of wood and he stuck the wood between the column and between the arch. The columns were doing absolutely nothing to support the arch. He left a quarter of an inch in there to prove that his architecture was sound and that what he had built was indeed good. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not have to question the divine architect. He is doing His perfect and holy and good will. And we should say, even though we're going through various trials that we don't understand, if we are believers in Christ, we can know that all things are working together for our good. To those who love God, to those who are called, be called according to His purpose. And shall we not say that the God of the whole earth shall do that which is right? So we affirm here in this glorious text, let's look again at our verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. What's that third word in that text? And we hope, and we think, and we know, we know this. Can you affirm that? That we know, in fact, that God is working. He's the God of all good and pro, uh, perfect providence. Now, it would be okay if we didn't know, but God has given us this assurance, although we may not know exactly how God is working in a certain circumstance. We know, we know, we know that God is at work. And this is something that is revealed to us beyond our sensory perception. Because this is the divine Word of God that He's spoken to you as a believer. We may not sense it. We may not see it. We may not feel it. We may not smell it. But God has supernaturally revealed to us a portion of His plan to you, to you, to you, that God is working throughout all of these situations. Well, it's an encouraging Word, you know. Because we live in a relativistic world where people say the byword is I don't know, I don't know, or whatever, you know, that we can't know truth, but yet we have a very blessed and sure word from God. Nothing obscure. Look at Romans chapter 8 
in verse 31. This is the, the way we're going to apply these verses to us. Concerning the fact that, wow, that we're God's chosen, called, justified children, that in the sense of God's perspective, we've already been glorified, that we're going through this earth, we're experiencing various trials and various tribulations, but yet we what? We know that in all these things, God works together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. So how do we apply this to us? Verse 31. What shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He? Who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our troubles, we have an advocate before the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is attempted in all ways as we are, who is a faithful and considered high priest, who knows everything that we're going through, through he's at the right hand of the father making intercession for you and me right now look back over to verse 26 and the spirit of god who lives in us works in us and teaches us in the midst of our weakness in the midst of our groaning how we are praying he teaches us how to pray according to the very will of god verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As this is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yea, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. We remember who we are in Christ. We remember that God is working upon our very behalf. That we are the recipients of a very good and holy and wise providence in our lives. And we can say that yea, all the promises of God in Christ are yea and in Him, Amen, to the glory of God through us. God is working. God is working. We are recipients. Look there in verse 39. We know that nothing can separate us from the very love of God. There's a story that there was an old minister, not like me, I'm not old yet. There was an old minister that used to take his tattered and torn Bible and he would take it with him to comfort those 
that were in great need. And in his Bible, he had a, a bookmark, something, something like this. You couldn't hardly make out what it was. You know, it was woven in silk, and it was just it just looked like different strands of silk going left and right, and it didn't seem to make any sense of why he carried this. But on one occasion, he was comforting a dear family, I, th- I believe that had lost a loved one. And after comforting them from the Scriptures, the parishioner says, well, what, what is that tattered and torn bookmark you have? What's the significance of that? And he turned it over, and they could see there that on the other side was the, were the words, God is love. You see, in the midst of the world, when we look at things, we see that events and circumstances and problems are running this way and that way, and there seems to be no uh, understanding of why things are going on. But if you look on the other side of heaven in the perfect providence of God, what do we see? We see that a loving God is working upon your behalf. And that nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God. We focus our eyes on the one who is not seen, and we trust and we walk and we persevere. And God is glorified in that. When we walk by faith, trusting, and walk not by sight. Let us pray. Father, we thank You today for Your Word. And pray, Lord, that we'd take great comfort today, that we would trust You and we would realize, God, that if You're indeed for us, who can be against us? Thank You, Father, for such a glorious fact that we are Yours and that Your providence for us and everything that happens is good and holy and wise. May we trust You and walk in whatever circumstance You put before us in order that we might bear fruit and glorify You. In Christ's name.